You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Good morning, go Vols and go Pilots. I'm adding that one to my uh, repertoire, but it's so good to be here with you. Any Southerners in the room besides me? Anybody from the South? There are three of us. We'll go to Cracker Barrel later and we'll be good to go. But uh, I'm a Southern boy born in Tennessee, live in Tennessee, and I'm learning the Midwestern ways of life and um, where to find the sweet tea up here and, um, and how, how to function. But here's, here's the thing about living in the South is holidays are a big deal like they are everywhere, but we do it different, okay? So think about your favorite holiday for just a moment. Um, maybe for you, it's Christmas. Maybe for some of you, it's your, your, you love Halloween. I don't know why you would, it's the devil's holiday, but you know, or, or maybe for you, you're like me. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, hands down Thanksgiving, okay? Any other Thanksgiving lovers? All right. Now, let me tell you why I love Thanksgiving. It'll be, it'll be no surprise. But because we have a tradition, we always go to my aunt's house, okay? And uh, it's my dad's sister. We call her Sissy. I don't know why. It's just what she's always been called growing up. So Sissy is the best cook that you could ever possibly experience, okay? Now, as I've tried to replicate my family's food living from not, not be, or living far away from home, I've learned the reason why the food is so good. And it's because I, I called my aunt one day and I said, hey, I'm trying to make green beans. They never taste like yours. What's the recipe? And she goes, okay, pour your green beans in, a cup of sugar, and a stick of butter. I was like, oh, there you go. That's, that's the secret, a cup of sugar, a stick of butter. And so it's in absolutely everything, and it's amazing. So on Thanksgiving morning, I know that I'm going to go, and we're going to eat lunch at 12 o'clock, and it's going to be incredible. And so I skip the most important meal of the day, which I usually don't do, which is breakfast, because I know what's coming, right? I know what's going to happen when I get to Sissy's house. There's going to be the broccoli casserole with the crunchy stuff on top. I don't even know what it is, right? There's going to be the turkey and the dressing. There's going to be the gravy, the mashed potatoes, the macaroni and cheese. I know what's coming, so I skip, I skip breakfast. And then guess what happens about 11, 15, 11, 30? Those three little demon children of mine, okay, are going to get into a car, and we're going to drive 30 minutes, none of us having eaten breakfast, and we're all going to be hangry, right? Anybody else get hangry? Just us, okay? And so when I have that 30-minute drive to my aunt's house, and we're all fighting and fussing, and we're, and we're angry, and we're hungry, I know what's coming, so it's going to be okay, right? I know we're going to get there. And there's going to be those rolls that just melt in my mouth. And there is going to be my favorite desserts called pretzel salad. I don't know why, because it's just pretzels on the bottom, then cream cheese and sugar, and then jello and strawberries on top. Anybody have that? It's amazing. It'll set you free, okay? And I know all of that is going to be there, right? So I, have to, I, I know I can make it through this drive. I can make it through this morning. Real first world problems, of course. But I can get there, right? And you, you've had that experience before, right? When you know something's coming and you have a total confidence that it's going to happen, it helps you to push through. Like some of you guys are thinking of that right now, like fall break is two weeks away. If I can just get to fall break, I know what's coming. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get a break from classes. It's going to be okay. Or maybe think back to when you graduated high school. Remember that? You get to the end of April, early May, and, and it's, you're coming up on finals and, and you've got decisions to make, but you know if I can just get to graduation, I know what's coming. I have something to look forward to, right? Have you ever known someone that got engaged, ladies, your friends, and, and you know, they, they get helium in that ring, and it's like everywhere they go, their hand just like, look what I got, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, and, but did you know what happens after the engagement, and they're so excited and the hand floats, is then there's a wedding to plan for, 
And you're like, oh my goodness, if you've known, known somebody getting married, then it's the stress of the wedding and the stress of the invitations, but they know what they have coming, right? There's, there's a wet, I'm going to get to go on the honeymoon and start my life together, so if, if I can just push through all of these plans, I know what's coming, right? And, and you can think of your own examples of that, of, of where you've been in a situation where you, you had something to look forward to, you had a confidence it was going to happen, so if I can just get there, I know I'll be okay. And I want you to think about that because I want us to talk briefly this morning about a word that we often get wrong. And it's this word right here. It's this word, hope. And usually when you and I use this word, hope, it is not at all what, what, it, what the scriptures really want us to understand about it. Usually when we use the word hope, we mean it like this. It's, it's a desire, right? It's a wish. It's a want. It might even be something that we are passionate about. So for me, living in the South, if we get half an inch of snow, everything shuts down, okay? We don't know how to function, all right? And so our, our kids will get so excited when the weatherman who gets paid to lie will come on the TV and, and tell us that it's going to snow, right? So if the weatherman says it's going to snow three to six inches tonight, I mean, that would be Armageddon in the East Tennessee mountains. But, but I will go to bed that night and I will tell my kids, I hope it snows tonight but I have zero confidence that it's going to happen, right? Because the weatherman lies. The way I have no way to know, right? And I, I, I can say, I hope we get to ride our sleds tomorrow. I hope we get to build a snowman, okay? Be, being a Tennessee fan. I, can, I said all last week, I hope we beat Florida. And I had zero <laughs> confidence and broke my heart, right? Just shattered me, devastated me, right? I, you can say, I hope I pass the test. I hope she says yes. I hope that, that it doesn't rain our game out. I hope. And in all of those uses of the word hope, we have zero confidence. Sometimes we even use it in the, in the negative light, right? Like, hey, I hope your test goes well. And then the person responds back, I hope so. It's actually the opposite, right? Like, like hey, it's going to go well today. You're going to have a good day. And you go, I hope so. It's a skepticism. So we use this word in a way that has zero confidence, zero expectation. And then we read this scripture that your mom may have the Thomas Kincaid painting of. Anybody's mom have that, right? <laughs> and we love this as a bumper sticker scripture, right? But in Jeremiah, the prophet tells us that this is the word of God. Okay, the creator of the universe, the almighty God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you, say the word with me, plans to give you hope, all of you, plans to give you hope and a future. If hope is just merely a desire, a want, or a wish, this has zero power, right? If this is hope like I hope it snows, if this is hope like I hope that Tennessee wins the game, if this is hope like I hope she says yes, well, then what hope do we have? And then you hear people get on stages like this and mouths like mine say, you go be the hope to the hopeless. And if that's the hope we're talking about, what are we taking? What do we have? And so I want you to see very quickly, okay, I'm a preacher, so I'm not good at 25 minutes, so you're gonna have to listen really fast, okay? I, I wanna show you very briefly what I hope will redefine this word for you. Because when I understood what God's word really means when he says, I have hope for you. I know the plans I have for you, and it is a plan for hope. And I quit thinking about it in my American understanding of the English word hope and understood what God's desire for hope was. It's a complete game changer. 
And we see it overlay on a story where hope was lost and Jesus brings in hope and it begins to make sense. So very quickly, we'll let the scripture define it for us. First from the book of Titus. Titus speaking, and I don't have time to give all the context, but Titus says this, in hope of eternal life, and this is where the definition begins to come into clarity, that it is, it is so much more than a desire or a want or a wish or even a passion. He says, in hope of eternal life, and listen to this, which God who never lies. Can I tell you something? You have never known someone who doesn't lie. Never, right? Somebody says, you look nice today. They lied to you, right? <laughs> At some point, your mom lied to you, right? At some point, some, you, you ask somebody, here's a better example. That was kind of mean, wasn't it? Here's a better example. Hey, how are you today? And someone goes, I'm good. Or if they're an English major, I'm well. Those people, you want to smack them, right? Right? They're not well all the time, right? They're not good all the time. We don't understand the magnitude of this right here. That our God who never lies promised us, take it to the bank. There's a confidence before the ages began. Now, we could unpack that, and it's so incredible. Before the ages began, that's hearkening back to creation before sin ruined everything. That God's desire was for you, and as God's desire was for, was for me to be in a perfect relationship with him, to have no shame, no guilt, no sorrow, no death, no sickness, no mourning, no heartbreak, no anxiety, no depression, that, that, to just have a perfect relationship with the Father, to experience him and to know him, that was his plan before the ages began and then sin, sin ruined it. But the, the, the point here is he promised it, and he never lies. And that is the hope that we have. Then, the book of Proverbs, we see another, another, another inkling to what this, this means. It says this, the hope of the righteous brings joy. But, say the next word that's in yellow with me, but the what? The expectation of the wicked will perish. So what, what we see here is, okay, so apparently Solomon, writing in his wisdom here, is telling us that hope and expectation must be somewhat synonymous, right? Could we not say the expectation of the righteous brings joy? It's not a wish. It's not a want. It's not a desire. It's not a dream. It's the expectation of the righteous brings joy. Do you know what joy is? Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is, is in existence when I'm not happy. Joy is in existence when I'm anxious. Joy is in existence when I am uncertain because joy perseveres and joy persists through the ups and the downs. And what we find out here is there is an expectation of the righteous. Well, then we could get into this. What about the scripture? That seems to be a contradiction. There are none righteous, no, not one. But then you find out, no, when Jesus died on the cross, he took my unrighteousness and he gave me his righteousness. And if I am made right in the eyes of God, he sees me as the righteous. So the hope, the expectation of the righteous, I can have joy. What is it? Well, Titus told us it's that eternal life is coming. You can take it to the bank. The God who never lies promised it to you, and you can have an expectation of that but the expectation of the wicked what would that be those far from God those who don't live in his presence those who don't know him what is their expectation their expectation is that th this world will satisfy me the expectation of those far from God is that the, the marriage will fulfill me the kids will fulfill me the job will the friends will the followers on social media will the yada 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 that will fulfill me it perishes and you know that 
It doesn't last. So what we see here is a better definition of the word hope coming alive. That what hope really is, this is how I best understand it, is a two-word definition. And it's so much more than I hope we win the game. I hope we pass the test. I hope to make it. But hope that God wants for you, hope that Jesus died for, for you and for me, is a confident expectation. That is hope. And that is a hope that most of us don't understand because we we reduce it down to this just dream, this desire. And that is why when Jesus died on the cross, they put him into a tomb. The people who had been the closest to him, who had walked with him, who had seen him raise the dead to life, who had seen him walk on water, who had seen him give sight to the blind, who had seen him completely transform an entire society and culture and community, they lost all hope. They lost all confidence. And we see that in the book of Luke. And I just want to show you three things I've learned about hope, real hope, this kind of hope. The, 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 the confident expectation that you've experienced me for, on Thanksgiving morning because I know it's coming. You before you graduated high school because I know it's coming. You leading up to the semester break because I know it's coming. I can push through. I can persevere. Well, it gets challenged in certain situations. And you know the story so quickly. In Luke chapter 24, let's start there. Jesus has been killed. And all hope seems to be lost. And Luke tells us that on the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, you know the story. This can become so commonplace, you miss the intricacies of it. But listen to this. You notice here, if you pay attention, there is zero hope on the way to the tomb. Now, can you imagine being Jesus and like, I told you guys, I told you guys, I told you guys the temple would be destroyed and it would be rebuilt on the third day, but you're clueless. You didn't pay attention. You lost hope. You didn't have faith, yada, yada. Well, how do we know there's no hope? Well, because they're taking spices to a tomb, right? Now, culturally, we don't do this. What do we do? We take flowers to the cemetery. Do you know why you take flowers to the cemetery? Because you think there's a dead body there, right? You you don't take the flowers to the cemetery expecting there to be a hole in the ground and an open coffin. You take the flowers because you're in mourning. You take the flowers because you expect there's a dead person there. You don't take the flowers because you have a confident expectation that Jesus is who he said he is. You don't take the spices to the tomb because you have a confident expectation that Jesus came up out of the grave like he promised. So they have no hope. The next verse tells us this. When they came back, well, actually, I've got a paraphrase there. So you know the story, right? Okay, so they get there, nobody. Stones rolled away. The angel has freaked out the soldiers. They're gone. Jesus is not there. And they begin to realize, because the women are the wise ones often, right? They begin to realize, he told us this we got to go back and tell the guys. we we got to go back and tell the guys. Now, we'll see in a moment where the guys are, and you probably know. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others who, with them who told this to the apostles. Now, here's the thing about hope. When you experience it, you can't keep it to yourself. When they experienced the hope firsthand, when they saw it for themselves, what do they run back and do? we got to tell everybody, right? It's another sermon for another day. Let's keep going. Then it says this. Next verse. But they did not believe the women. Ladies, happens all the time, doesn't it? Right? 
But they did not believe the women. And here's why. Because their words seemed like nonsense. Now, why did the words seem like nonsense? Because they had absolutely no hope. It can't be true what you're saying. We, we heard Jesus say these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. We saw him do amazing things. Of course, it was cool. It was great. But we, don't, we, we never had a true confident expectation that it would come true. We never actually believed that it would happen. Now, John's version of the story, he tells the gospel from his perspective. And he tells us what these guys are doing. Why are they not at the tomb? Why is it the women? What are the guys doing during this? Well, John tells us this. Look at this in the next verse that we've got up here. John says, click the button. John says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, listen to this, with the doors locked for fear, they have no hope. They have zero confident expectation. They had fear, the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So what does this tell us? First thing I want you to see about hope is that hope is lost when death seems to have won. Isn't that true? So hope is lost when death seems to have won. You can go to the next slide. That is the thing that I've learned and you have experienced. And for you, it might be the literal death of somebody that you know and love, but it could be this. It could be the death of a dream, the death of a relationship, the death of a hope that you once had. And the thing about this world is this world is marked and defined by death. It just is. You ever had a car die? You ever had, you ever had a computer die? You spill something on your computer, spill something on your phone, it's dead. I dropped mine in the ocean this summer and found out real quick you can't just take it back out of the ocean and it work, right? This world is marked by death. We have a hard time understanding what Jesus is really all about, which is resurrection and life. And what Jesus comes along and says, I am the what? Resurrection. I am the life. And, and our human understanding doesn't have a context for that. Well, the good news is we're just like the disciples. We're just like his followers who thought all hope is lost when death seems to have won. We go back to Luke chapter 24 quickly, just two quick things. It says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, now remember Peter's story, okay? Peter actually walked on the water looking at Jesus. That, that seems to me like that'd be a pretty life-altering experience, right? And then he had the whole thing, and you've heard the sermons. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He sings. Jesus rescues him, puts him back in the boat. Man, I think I would like to think I would be in at that point, right? Then Jesus looks at Peter. After he says, calls him Satan, it's a whole other thing, right? Then Jesus looks at Peter, says, I'm going to build my church on you, and the gates of hell can't stop it, Peter. I would like to think at this point, man, Peter's in, but if you know the story, Peter, of course, denies Jesus. There's some scholars who believe that one of the times he denies Jesus, it's within earshot of Jesus as Jesus walks by. Could you just imagine the heartache, the heartbreak? But Peter at this moment goes, maybe there's something to this. However, look at what happens when hope seems to be lost. This is Peter who should have no doubt about the, the, the sincerity and the reality and the truth that Jesus is who he said he is. I've got hope. I've got confidence. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he said, hallelujah, he sang Dolly Parton, Jesus is alive, right? <laughs> he, he said, yes, it happened, and I knew it would happen. No, look what happened. He went away, and say this word with me, what is it? He went away wondering. W wondering what, Peter? What did you think happened, man? Wondering to himself what happened? 
Like, I'm, if, if we get to talk to people in heaven about the past, I'm like, Peter, we got to talk about this, right? Like, for real, dude, what did you think happened? What did you think had happened to Jesus? He told you? Had you just lost that much hope? The thing we've got to understand is, if it happens to Peter, who stared Jesus in the eyes walking on the water, if it happened to Peter, who Jesus told, I will build my church and the gates of hell can't stop it, it'll happen to you and me, and this is why. Because when life is at its worst, right? Isn't this true? You've experienced it. Hope just doesn't make sense. How can I believe this? How can I know? How can I have such confidence when my heart keeps getting broken? How can I have such confidence when, when people keep letting me down? How can I have such confidence when religion comes up empty? When life is at its worst, hope doesn't make sense. And then this happens. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, let's just talk Well, we fast forwarded through the story. Jesus is alive. We kind of see a scene change in Luke chapter 24 where it says, now two of these guys are walking down the street. And as they walked down the street and talked and discussed these things, what things? Jesus is gone. We've lost. All hope is gone. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Hang on to that thought. In the midst of their hopelessness, who shows up? Jesus. In the midst of their hopelessness, God himself in human form comes and walks down the road with them, and they still did not recognize him. So Jesus, being the brilliant question asker that he is, you know Socrates gets all the credit, but it was really Jesus who started this thing. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. It stopped them in their tracks. And they looked downcast. Now, for time's sake, we fast forward. They basically have this argument with Jesus. Haven't you heard? Where, where have you been? Haven't you been watching TikTok like everybody else to know what's going on, Jesus? Haven't you been listening to the news? Haven't you heard? Haven't you seen? What do you mean? What are we talking about? And so Jesus just lets it go. He ends up going to dinner with them. And then look at this. In the next verse, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. What is he doing? He's recreating the Last Supper. I'm, he's, he's saying, I'm going to instill hope back into you. I, I told you this would happen just a couple nights ago. And now I'm going to put on for you, in, 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 on display for you to see that my hope you can take to the bank. He breaks the bread. He passes it. And then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he said, my job here is done. Peace out, right? On to the next one. He disappeared from their sight. Why? Because when hope is lost, Jesus shows up and brings hope to the hopeless. He restored for them their confident expectation that I am God, I am who I say I am. I promised you this from the very beginning. You can take it to the bank. Jesus shows up when we're at our most hopelessness, in the midst of our hopelessness, when all hope is lost and death seems to have won. When, when hope makes absolutely zero sense, Jesus shows up and says, I got you. I got you. You can trust me. You can follow me. I love you. Come be with me. So here's what I want to leave you with because I've gone over. I, I want you to think about right now as our band comes and we're going to do one song just to tie this into our theme for the year. Where have you lost hope? And I don't mean the hope like I hope it snows, I hope we win the game, I hope I pass the test. Where have you lost the confident expectation 
that God is who he told you he is? Where have you lost the confident expectation that the promises of Jesus are true, that I go to prepare a place with you for you that where I am you will always be, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age, that if you just come and confess your sin to me, I will be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Your sin will be as far as the east is from the west. Do you really believe that? Do you have a confident expectation in that? Do you have the confident expectation that he he looks you in the eyes like a father looks at a child and says, I know the plans I have for you, boy. I know the plans I have for you, girl. And they are plans to give you a hope and a future and a prosper you. Do you believe it? Do you have a confident expectation? Where have you lost it? Because we're going to sing this song. It's my favorite song right now. That says what we do, I, I love this. Speak the name of Jesus where you've lost hope. Because it was when their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus, not just saw him, but they recognized him, hope was restored. When they they received who was already standing right there with them, when they, when they, they trusted what he had promised, when they followed what he had taught, that's when the hope was restored. So for you and for me, where we've lost hope, where death seems to have won, where the confident expectation is gone, will you just speak Jesus over that this morning? Will you speak Jesus over that and completely give it to him? So would you stand with me? And let's just raise the roof off this place. Will you do that? And let's go out speaking Jesus over every bit of that before we go. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.bethelluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.